Welcome to a day of prayer. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. Together, let's engage in relationship with Christ through prayer, faith, and His Word. Good morning and welcome, everybody. We're glad you can join us for another A Day of Prayer morning Bible study. Thank you for joining us. Can someone please open us up in prayer? I will. Lord, I just thank you for giving, showing us the path where it's run inside of darkness. And just... Giving us the will and drive to follow you and keeping us from dragging our feet on the ground and looking left or right. In the name of Jesus, amen. Amen. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, hello everyone and welcome. We're continuing our, our morning Bible study of Second Samuel and today we are in chapter 24 which is the last chapter of second samuel so we're going to wrap things up today if you haven't had a chance this is your first time joining us go back and listen to um the beginning chapters and and hear the word of the lord and understand who god is and you know take the time to enjoy the presence of the lord and it's something great that you can do with your family um you know have the kids grab their bibles um you and your spouse grab your bibles and sit down as a family and enjoy that time together and make that a practice and a covenant that you have between you to enjoy the word of the Lord together. Um, so can I have a volunteer to read verses 1 through 10, please? Yes. All right, LaCharles, thank you very much. Again, the anger of the Lord was aroused against Israel, and he moved David against them to say, Go, number Israel and Judah. So the king said to Joab, the commander of the army, who was with him, Now go throughout all the tribes of Israel, from Dan to Beersheba, and count the people, that I may know the number of the people. And Joab said to the king, Now may the Lord your God add to the people a hundred times more than there are, and may the eyes of my lord the king see it. But why does my lord the king desire this thing? Nevertheless, the king's world prevailed against Joab and against the captains of the army. Therefore, Joab and the captains of the army went out from the presence of the king to count the people of Israel. And they crossed from the Jordan and camped in Aror on the right side of the town, which is in the midst of the ravine of Gad, towards Jazir. Then they came to Gilead, Gilead, and to the land of Tatim, Hashi, and they came to Dan Ja'an. And came to Sidon. And they came to the stronghold of Tai, and to all the cities of the Hivites and the Canaanites. Then they went up to South Judah as far as Beersheba. So when they had gone throughout all the land, they came to Jerusalem at the end of nine months and twenty days. Then Job gave the sum of the number of the people to the king, and there were in Israel eight hundred thousand valiant men who drew the sword. And the men of Judah were 500,000 men. 
Uh, read one more verse, verse 10 for me, sweetie. And David's heart condemned him after he had numbered the people. So David said to the Lord, I have sinned greatly in what I've done, but now I pray, O God, O Lord, take away the iniquities of your servant, for I've done very foolishly. All right, thank you. Okay, so what's the Holy Spirit revealing to you guys, or is there a question that you have about something? Lord, how come they count Judah as a different thing? It goes to how the tribes were divided coming into the land, but also for quite some time, Israel has been separate from Judah, especially in David's time. Um, that's why it was important for him to be king over all Israel. And what made them actually separate like that? I don't quite remember. I have to go back and look that up. It was Saul's son. We were giving them the answer. Say that again, sweetheart. It was Saul's son. Jonathan? I mean, Solomon's. Oh, so later on, when the tribe, the when the kingdom is taken away and one part, one person gets ten shares and the other gets two that's different that happens after this but long before that they were recognized as judah and israel they were separate together but still separate peoples and the exact reason and it happened when they came into the land to get their inheritance earlier times of that nature yes okay what else Um, how come it said the anger of the Lord was aroused against Israel and he moved David against them to say, go number Israel and Judah. Okay. A question for you. Does God tempt us with sin? Does he tempt anyone with sin? No. no. How do you know? Because it's out of his nature and character. Okay. That's true. But what evidence do you have that tells you the contrary that, or that your statement you made is a fact and that it's true? Truth about God. Because he makes a way of escape. If he was trying to tempt you, he wouldn't have done that. Okay. that That's logical. That's sound reasoning. How about, you know, my favorite. Well, I, the whole word is my favorite. <laughs> but we reference it all often. What is that, Layla? James. Huh? James. James what? Okay. It's, in, it's important that we, when we look at the Word of God and we consider the Old Testament and the New Testament, in the Old Testament, they held a lot of things true. They, they um, asserted them as true facts about God, but in, in actuality, they misunderstood. So they're making statements based on what they know. But when Jesus comes into the earth in his earthly ministry, um, and when I say what they know is like what they understand up until this point. They didn't have a revelation that there's an adversary. So when Jesus comes on the scene in his earthly ministry, he starts to clarify and go, no, you guys don't understand who the father is. If you did understand him, you would never come to this conclusion. So, and um, he, he says that to the Pharisees often. And then he starts making distinctions, especially when he's talking about um, when the Pharisees and Sadducees and, you know, the the leaders of the time, right, and the scribes started accusing Jesus of casting out demons by mm -hmm. demons. He said, wait a second, 
I'm paraphrasing, it doesn't even make sense for you to say that. And he explains to them, a house divided against itself cannot stand. So if, and he, and he further says, if I'm casting them out by demons, then who are you casting them out by? <laughs> and then, you know, everybody kind of gets quiet and, you know, looks around like, oh, good point. So um, he makes a distinction and he begins to clarify who God the Father is because um, you see several times throughout the scriptures where they attribute things to God that are not a part of his character and his nature. So one of you, I would like to go to First Chronicles chapter 21, verse 1. The, um, I'm there. Okay. The other one, I would like to go to James chapter 1. I'm there. Verse 13. Okay. And we'll start with that for now. Who's got First Chronicles 21, verse 1? I do. All right, young man, read that to us. Now Satan stood up against Israel and moved David to number Israel. Hmm. Got some evidence coming on the scene, right? <laughs> yes. Okay, now read James to me. James chapter 1, verse 12. I'm sorry, yes, 13. I'm sorry, sweetheart. Let no one say when he's tempted, I am tempted by God. For God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he himself tempt anyone. Okay. And go ahead and read verse 14 for me. But each one is tempted when he is drawn away by his own desires and enticed. Okay. Come on, read verse 15. Mm-hmm. Then when desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin, and sin, when it is full grown, brings forth death. Okay. So keep that in mind. Uh, we were, I was mentioning before that in the Old Testament, they didn't understand that there was an adversary, the devil. And so they assumed that when something happened, especially it's, there's no physical explanation, it's supernatural, if you will, it must all be God. But then when the New Testament is starting with the Messiah, Jesus, he starts to explain, you guys misunderstand his character. You, you misunderstand who my father is, my heavenly father. And then the New Testament further clarifies the position of the believer. This is who your father is. This is how you serve him and please him and worship him. So it makes it clear for us when we look back into what our um, brothers and sisters in Christ and the that we, we classify as Old Testament, what they were experiencing. But it's our job to rightly attribute to whom it belongs to, right? Deeds yes. and circumstances and experiences attribute it correctly. Um, God said many times in his word, especially talking about the children of um, Israel, when he brought them out of Egypt, they would say often, oh, you, the Lord should have killed us there. And instead he brought us out and to kill us out here. And God was not pleased with that. Why? Because they were saying he was doing wickedness when he was only doing good for them. Absolutely. And God is not a killer. Okay. Let's look at... um, Job chapter 1, verse 7. Is that your promise? And then someone go to 1 Peter 5, verse 8 through 9. 1 Peter 5. Mm-hmm. Okay. And I'm going to go to Luke chapter 11. Job, verse 
Job chapter 1, verse 7. Go ahead and read that for me, sweetheart. And the Lord said to Satan, From where do you come? So Satan answered the Lord and said, From going to and fro on the earth and walking back and back and forth on it. Okay. So that's if you if you look at Job chapter one, you see the scene of the spiritual realm. You see the heavenly communities and what's happening because spiritual laws were set into place by God and God honors and keeps his word. Right? Yes. So because Adam turned over his authority to Satan, it made him, in fact, God of this world. Yes. Right? And we see the New, the New, Testament, New Testament referring to Satan as the God of this world. Right? Yes. I think Jesus even refers to that himself. And he says, the God of this world is coming, or the yes. ruler of this world is coming, but he has nothing in me. Meaning he has no claim or authority, no right to claim and hold my physical body. Right? And yes. cause death to come. But because Adam turned over the authority that God gave him, now Satan is the ruler of this world, which also gave him a right to accuse the brethren before God. Right? Yes. Yeah. And if you further look at Job, you see Satan going, hey, well, wait a second. You have this hedge of protection around Job, and of course he's blessing you. I can't even touch him. I can't do anything to him because you're protecting him. And of course... God's intention is only to do what for us? Good. Only good. He's a good God and he only does good things and it's only to bless us. But Satan, was in talking about Job after God said, have you considered him? Of course God knows. He knows that the enemy's been circling, running, <laughs> running a, a track around Job's territory and his property, spiritually, physically, financially, familially. He's running a track. You know, you guys see like the, somebody's walking a worry path on the yes. cartoons. Yes. He's probably walking a track around Job's property, trying to find a way to get in. But God has, has a hedge of protection around him because Job served God. And Satan goes, well, and I'm paraphrasing. I'm, I'm going through the story kind of quickly for you. Um, does he serve you for nothing? You have this hedge of protection. I can't even touch him and get to him. And God goes, okay. You can do this. Here are your limits. You can you can touch this, but you can go no further. Don't touch his life. Don't touch his health. Um, and then this, the enemy comes back a couple more times to get more access. Now, we already know the curse causeless shall not come. So Job had fear operating in his life. He gave a place to the enemy. But yes. God is still our protector, Right. The yes. fear that Job, he didn't have an opportunity to take Job's life, right? So mm -hmm. you see the enemy that was looking for Job to cause what to come to him? Because we see when God gave the enemy permission, because there's spiritual laws in place, God cannot violate his, his laws. He can override them with the higher law, but he does not violate them because he's just, right? Yes. yes. So the enemy steals his children. Right, he causes the house to cut, you know, like a wind to come, and then the the children are killed all in one sitting. They're gone, and first they're raided, and all the stuff is taken away. Then his children are gone. Then he has boils all over his body. But who did that come from? Satan. Satan, Satan is the one that came to do what? Steal, Steal kill, and destroy. Yes, ma'am. So go ahead and read First Peter for me, darling. First, first Peter, chapter five, verses eight through nine. 
Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary the devil walks about like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. Resist him, steadfast in the faith, knowing that the same suffering was experienced by your brotherhood in the world. Okay, so Satan is going around looking for who he has access to. Who he may devour is someone with a hedge of protection that's been broken down. Or none at all. Right? Yes. Yes. And for he especially hates people that are in a protected enclosure. And they look like they're enjoying life. They're serving God and he's blessing them. Particularly hates them. That's Adam and Eve in the beginning. Right? They're in a protected yes. enclosure. A.K.A. Garden. Right? <laughs> yes. Garden of Eden. They're in this beautiful place that God set up for them and they're being blessed. Yes. Couldn't wait to get his heels in there and tempt them to see if they're going to fall. But you also have to understand this. Without choice, options, without options, without choice, the there is no choosing, right? So if, if I only yes. have vanilla ice cream on the table and I'm going, oh, pick what ice cream you want. Vanilla or vanilla. <laughs> <laughs> you look around and there's not even two containers of vanilla. It's just the one. You go, uh. Vanilla. I mean, I guess you could choose to eat no ice cream, but if you had to eat ice cream, there is no choice, right? Yes. So we are here in this earth to, to choose for whom we'll serve, whom we, who we are going to serve. For whom we'll live, we're, we're here to make that choice and to enforce that choice. But, and, that also means we have an adversary who's coming with an option. What was the option? Either live for God or die in Satan, right? Yes. You've, you've heard language similar to that. I set before you today, life and death, blessing and cursing. Choose life that you and your seed may live. So real quick recap, we see Job chapter 1, verse 7. I'm sorry, um, we can actually even include verse 6 in this and verse 7. Now there was a day when the sons of God came to present themselves before the Lord, and Satan also came among them. And the Lord said to Satan, from where do you come? So Satan answered the Lord and said, from going to and fro on the earth and from walking back and forth on it. Doing what? Exactly what First Peter 5 tells us. Yes. What is that? Oh, He roams to and fro like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. Okay. So there's, there's case in point, right? Yes. Now look at first, or Second Chronicles 16, verse 9. We referenced oh. this um, <laughs> yesterday. In there. Okay, read it to me, son. For the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth to show himself strong and be at half of those whose heart is loyal to him. And this you have done foolishly. Okay, you can pause there. right there. Um, so God's eyes are roaming to and fro to seek who he can bless. Right? He's looking, he's yes. running, and he's, God is omniscient. Right? He's everywhere all at the same time. And he's omnipotent and he's omnipresent. So he's he knows everything. I'm sorry, omniscient means he knows everything. He's omnipresent means he's everywhere all at the same time. And he's omnipotent. He has all power. So we have two, a dichotomy here, right? We have God who's like, I'm looking for you so I can bless you. Please just stand still long enough so I can do you good. Right? Yes. And I'll, I'll bless you coming and going. Everything that you set your hands to, I'll cause it to prosper. Just trust me. Just give me the opportunity to. Right? 
Yes. But then you have Satan who is not even in the same category with God, not even a comparison to him in strength, wisdom, or any way. He doesn't compare to God in any capacity. That's why God has already defeated him. But he's looking for whom he may devour. Don't mix those up in your mind. Don't call God the devourer when he said he's the one who blesses. Right? Yes. That's why God called Israel stiff-necked people, because they would not believe good about him. They would not extend their faith to trust what he said to them. But always instead, they attributed ungodly, wicked attributes to God. Oh, you just brought us out here to kill us. Uh, we were living in a land of milk and honey, referring to Egypt, where their children were getting cut out of their wombs, literally just cut out so they can fall on the ground and die. And they were killing their babies and there was barely enough food for them. And they were being beaten and tortured and um, in bondage daily. They called that milk and honey and said they had meat to the overflow and just pots of meat and they were having a good life. Literally the land, God said, I'm taking you to a land that flows with milk and honey. And they turned it around and said, Egypt was a land that flowed with milk and honey and they had it so good. And the Lord should have just killed them there instead of bringing them out to the desert to kill them. So you see how God was like, wait, that's not right. Right? Yes. yes. Okay. So it's important that we as believers attribute good to our God, right? Yes. And not evil. And first, um, I'm sorry, James chapter one, Layla, read on down to the verse that tells us every good and perfect gift comes from the Lord. It says, let no one say when he is tempted, I am tempted by God. For God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he himself tempt anyone. But each one is tempted when he is drawn away by his own desires and enticed. Then when desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin, and sin, when it is full grown, brings forth death. Do not be deceived, my beloved brethren. Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above and comes down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shadow of turning. Mm -hmm. Of his own will will he of his own will will he brought brought us forth by the word of his truth that we might be a kind of first fruits of his creatures. Amen. So of his own will he brought us forth by the word of truth that we might be a kind of first fruits of his creatures. So if you believe God makes you sick, if you believe God causes you to sin, how can you trust him? You can't. Right? Why would you trust him? How could you know which day it is? You wouldn't. You wouldn't. God is constant. He is consistent. You ever met someone that sometimes they're happy, sometimes they're sad, sometimes they're nice, sometimes they're mean? Yes. <laughs> How can you tell what day it is with that person? How do you... Does anyone even, can you feel safe in having a relationship with them? No. No, because you're like, wait, are you going to hit me today? Are you going to yell at me because you have, you know, your bike has a flat tire or our, that's not our God. He is a constant and consistent God. And then we see in First um, Chronicles chapter 21, more clarity is provided to give insight. So while one person thought, well, if it's supernatural, it must be, God, right, because they didn't understand, the next says, oh, of course that was Satan. Okay? Yes. 
All right. So that wasn't widespread understanding. That's only revealed by the spirit of the Lord what's actually happening. Okay? Yes. All right. Anybody else? Or did that answer your question? I'm sorry. Yes. yes. Okay. I, I found it interesting that this time instead of David um, being the one who's saying be in the moment, I found it interesting that it was Joab. <laughs> uh-huh. Be in the moment as in being in tune and in line with the Spirit of God. Yes. Like you're missing that son or brother. Yeah. Exactly. Joab tried to stop him. Even his captains weren't so sure about doing what David had commanded them to do. Mm -hmm. And if you, you look at this um, recount in First Chronicles chapter 21. Joab it, didn't count the Levites with Benjamin because it was a bond upon his eyes. Say so that again, sweetheart? Joab did not count the Levites or Benjamites because it was a bond upon his eyes. It said so? Yep. The Levites didn't have their own um, land or territory. They weren't fighting or anything of that nature. Right? Yes. So they were they were set apart. And then Benjamin had already been um, cut off because of wickedness. They had already... Um, so Benjamin was their own land? Yes, Benjamin was a tribe. Like, they got land and territory. The Levites didn't get their own land. Instead, Joseph's sons... Ephraim and Manasseh took land, right? So Joseph became, instead of one, he became two. And the Levites were pulled out and put aside to tend to the things of God, like the temple. They, they were the priests. And where that lineage um, that and job scope came from for them to carry the Ark of the Covenant, to um, offer the offerings and things of that nature, the priestly duties. So they didn't get a territory because they were given a portion in different, each of the territories of the other, um, which it was a total of 13 when you counted it out, but because they were taken aside and not giving a land portion, it was 12 territories that were set aside, but they were to have places in every city so they could tend to the business of the Lord in yes. that city or in the land, the territory somewhere. Yes. The Lord said that he was their portions for the Levites mm -hmm. and that the Levites will live off of the sacrifices mm -hmm. of all the other tribes, mm -hmm. which they brought before the Lord. Mm -hmm. Which is why God said it was so important for them to bring the tithe, because the tithe is one of the things that they used for their sustenance, their food, the things that they needed, et cetera, et cetera. So God apportioned that out of what they were doing. And yes, I understand Abraham was the first to give a tithe, but it was a, a different. different setting than what... Abraham gave it out of his heart. He didn't have to do that. There was no legal requirement on it. For the Levites, there was a legal requirement on the tithe. This is part of the law. In order to provide for everyone else tithe, and they still tithe as well, but to provide for the Levites because they didn't get their own land to farm and cultivate and serve so, in business. They didn't get to merchandise. They tended to the things of the Lord and the temple and those duties. Um. What verse were you reading that said it was an abom it was an abomination to verse six of chapter twenty one of First Chronicles? Yes, but he did not count Levi and Benjamin among them, 
But a king squirrel is abominable to Joab. Right. And why why was this a problem? Why was this action that that David took a problem? Because it was basically going against what the Lord said when he promised Abraham that he would make his descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky and the grains of sand. Mm-hmm. So the fact that he went to go number them says a lot. Right. And and I think the word innumerable was used and that they're not able to be counted. Yes. Um, so then for someone to go, I'm going to count it. God said it's so numerous that it can't be counted. And they look God in his eyeballs and go, oh, I'm going to count it. Doesn't sound too different than the Philistines that were defying Israel, defying the God of Israel, yes. as a matter of fact. And um, another point that you know that it was Satan, when God moved upon David before, what was the outcome? It blessed the people. And brought about peace. And everybody was in agreement. Sin was not involved. The Holy Spirit does not move and cause sin. He doesn't create it. He doesn't engage in it. He's not the author of it. He doesn't partake in it in any way. So the Holy Spirit is moving, but he, he would not dare tell us to engage in sin and then turn around and hold us accountable for it. Right? He wouldn't tell yes, us to yes. sin either anyway because he doesn't violate his own word. That would be a house divided, right? Yes. If God the Father said, walk up right before me and be blameless, be holy as I'm holy, and then the Holy Spirit comes and causes somebody to sin, that's unthinkable, right? Yes. Okay. So Jesus even makes that point um, when he describes how casting out demons by demons doesn't make any sense. Um, let me see. Read. I never read Luke 11, 9, 13, so let me read that real quick. I do apologize about that. It's okay. Thank you, sweetheart. Are you reading from verse 9 through 13? Uh, yes, I will. Oh. It says, so... So I say to you, ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and he who seeks finds. And to him who knocks, it will be opened. If a son asks for bread from any father among you, will he give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will he give him a serpent instead of a fish? Or if he asks for an egg, will he offer him a scorpion? If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? And we know the Holy Spirit is equally God. Right? He is a gift and he is a good gift. So there's no way that the Lord caused David to sin. Okay? Yes. yes. Because in him is no sin. There's no shadow or variation of turning. Right? Yes. Yes, Kyla. I love. Oh, I would like to add. Okay. John three sixteen. It says, "For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son." And if you look at that scripture and you think about it, why would if the Lord loved you so much that He went through great lengths to save you, why would He cause anyone to sin? Because sin will ultimately lead you to death. That goes against that very statement right there. And everything you believe in. 
Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Amen. 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 Thank you, Kyla. That is absolutely correct. Absolutely true. Um, okay. Anybody else? Mm-hmm. What else you got, Kyla Isla? Well, that's it for now. Okay. <laughs> okay, let's let's move on and read verse eleven through seventeen. I'll read it. All right. Thank you, sweetheart. Now, when David arose in the morning, the word of the Lord came to the prophet Gad, David's seer, saying, Go and tell David, thus says the Lord, I offer you three things. Choose one of them for yourself that I may do it for you. So Gad came to David and told him, and he said to him, Shall seven years of famine come to you in your land? Or shall you flee three months before your enemies while they pursue you? Or shall there be three days pestilence in your land? Now consider and see what answer I should take back to him who sent me. And David said to Gad, I am in great distress. Please let us fall into the hand of the Lord, for his mercies are great, but do not let me fall into the hand of man. So the Lord sent a plague upon Israel from the morning till the appointed time. From Dan to Beersheba, 70,000 men of the people died. And when the angel stretched out his hand over Jerusalem to destroy it, the Lord relented from the destruction and said to the angel who was destroying the people, It is enough. Now restrain your hand. And the angel of the Lord was by the threshing floor of Aruna, the Jebusite. Then David spoke to the Lord when he saw the angel who was striking the people and said, Surely I have sinned, and I have done wickedly. But these sheep, what have they done? Let your hand, I pray, be against me and against my father's house. Hmm. Okay. What is the Lord revealing to you? I found it interesting that David was willing to not only take other, not take others down with him, but was willing to bear the punishment himself because he knew it was him who sinned and that others were trying to um, keep him from doing it. It shows a maturity because most people would think about trying to take others and their suffering with them, but David decided that they did nothing wrong and it was him, so he deserved it, mm. not anybody else. He was just. Okay, so... He did let other people suffer for his sin initially, right? He let the, uh, from Dan the Beersheba, 70,000 men of the people died. Right? Yes. Okay. So when we saw David with Bathsheba, he was willing to keep that going till the cows came home, right? He, he yes. waited a very long time to admit his wrongdoing. And that he was trying to have self-preservation. You know, he was walking in self-preservation versus righteousness. Well, here we see David come to himself a lot quicker. Yes, and he had even admitted to the Lord that he was wrong and he had sinned. And unlike with the incidents with Bathsheba, the Lord had to send Nathan before David finally confessed to doing, committing that act. But here he came to the Lord first mm-hmm. and said, forgive me. Yeah, and you, you finally, in this time, so that is that is maturing on his part because, like we said, it took him longer last time to admit his wrongdoing. But now, unfortunately, 70,000 men died, but he admitted it faster. He came back to God and he repented faster. And then he finally said, okay, 
it's right for it to be. Let me just bear it and the things that were valuable to him, him and his and my and my father's house that was valuable to him. That's his lineage, right? Yes. Versus everybody else. Um, so, here's something I want you to see and, and think about. We saw in First Chronicles chapter twenty one that Satan was looking for an opportunity against who? Mm-hmm. Israel and Judah. Look at the language. Turn there and look at it for me. Because it matters. Against, now Satan stood up against Israel. He was looking for an opportunity against Israel. It wasn't about David, per se. It was about Israel. So then who was it (laughs) that killed the 70,000 men? The devil. Okay. Here's how we know that. When he went to, when Satan was appearing with the sons of God before God, right? In Job chapter 1, you see varying steps of what he was looking for to enact against Job. Calamity to his property. Calamity and destruction to his family. To kill the people, right? And then ultimately, calamity and destruction against Job. You see three options laid out here before you. So God's going, okay, Satan has been granted access. And his mercy is going, okay, I'll let you choose which one. Instead of it just being carte blanche, blanket, you can just come in and and run ruckshot in your life. Which one? And just like he put a, a, a guard on Job, these are your limitations. You can do up to here, touch nothing else, right? Yes. Do you remember? Do you understand what I'm talking about? Yes. Okay. He put barriers and limitations. Said, "Okay, you. That's fair. You know, according to these rules and these laws, you are granted access. You gain access to this one's life. For David, it was because he numbered the people. He listened to Satan and numbered the people. Right. Yes. Okay. So instead of um, just like I said, removing the anointing and the covering and then the enemy could just come in and ravish him he said you can choose that's god's mercy that's his way of escape so that david could bear it right yes okay so then satan was looking for an opportunity against israel did he get it yes what was the goal to weaken israel correct Yes. Because if you can take away the people, and that, this is the enemy's kind of mindset and thinking. That's why he has no wisdom. <laughs> Only against the unwise. Because people that study out the scriptures and yield to the Holy Spirit can see there's nothing new under the sun. And that's why the Bible tells us not to be ignorant of his devices because he does not come with creative instinct. He takes and manipulates what God has already done. But in his mind, if he can... Um, kill the people, then he can stop the plan of God. He can make them now vulnerable to the Philistines or whomever to try to wipe them out. And ultimately, what is this about? It's about the Messiah. Right? Yes. Yes. Just like when um, Jesus was walking in the earth and it was time for him to get on the cross, Satan thought, ooh, if I kill you now, I got you. (laughs) And Jesus said it plainly, unless a seed dies or falls into the ground and dies, it remains alone. But if it does, 
it will bring forth much, much harvest, much fruit. So he was telling him right there, who is Jesus? He is the firstborn among many brethren, right? Yes. He's yes. the seed for who we are to become the new creatures in Christ Jesus. So while he was walking in the earth, he was just one. But the moment he died for our sins, went to hell unjustly, right, as a righteous man, and then led the captivity captive and then placed his blood on the mercy seat, he freed everybody that would come into that relationship with him. Overnight, or after three days, <laughs> he brought forth, he robbed and plundered hell. Right? Yes. yes. So the enemy thought, oh, yeah, I'm getting Jesus now. I'm going to stop the plan of God. I make it so wicked and, and polluted with the blood of angels. And then if I do this, and then if I kill off a bunch, a bunch of people from Israel, they won't be able to stand. And eventually they'll be weak enough where I can wipe them out. And I can stop Jesus from coming. Because Jesus is mentioned in, in Genesis, right? Yes. His name was a secret until he came into the earth. But he's mentioned. From the beginning of time. I'm telling you, the lamb slain before the foundation of the world. Right? You have this puzzled yes. look on your face, Layla. You tracking, babe? Yes. Okay. So when when the Lord was talking to Eve and telling her about what was going to happen as a result of what she did, not that God is cursing her, but she opened the door for the enemy. When he was describing this to her, um, actually to Adam, it says, because you have done this, this is Genesis chapter 3, verse 14, because you have done this, you are cursed more than all cattle and more than every beast of the field. I'm sorry, this is the enemy he's talking to. On your belly you shall go, and you shall eat dust all the days of your life. And I will put enmity between you and the woman, between your seed and her seed. That's a capital S there. Right? Yeah. He shall bruise your head, and you shall bruise his heel. That's talking about our Messiah. Yeah, you got to kill him one time, but you couldn't even have done that unless the Lord had laid down his life. There's no, no man take my life. <laughs> I lay it down, right? That's also why he asked us to walk in his footsteps and submit to him and lay down our life in, in care and respect and honor of what he's asking us to do, right? Yeah. So he's mentioned right here. And of course, this garden scene is a continuation from a previous battle where Satan had already been kicked out for trying to exalt himself above the most high God, Right? Yes. yes. So Jesus is the lamb slain before the foundation of the world. All this is about getting to Jesus and keeping him from ruling over the enemy and taking back the authority and finishing up the course that's already been laid out for Satan. Right? Yes. yes. So then who is it that killed the 70,000? Okay. The same one who inflicted all that on Job. Okay, and then as soon as David repented, God's like, thank you, right? Yes. Got that, son? Let's keep moving. It's very important that we keep our eyes on the Lord. We are humans, and in such our flesh, there are limitations. But with God, all things are possible. It's impossible for a human to see and Speculate and catch everything that the enemy's doing with your natural eyes. Because just like in the beginning, did he pick 
a rhino to come in and tempt Adam and Eve? No. no. Did he pick a lion? No. Go, rawr, rawr. I would have been like, oh, what you doing here? And bonked it on the head. <laughs> <laughs> what did he pick? A serpent. serpent. Who was what? What is it? How does it describe the serpent? Crafty and more cunning than any of the beasts in the Subtle. garden. That's right. Subtle, so you hardly notice. Right? Yes. yes. Okay, so did David notice? No. No. But if he had stood back and looked at what is asking, what are you asking me to do? He would have realized and recognized, hold up, because the word of God is written on David's heart. Yes? Yes. He would have, if he had looked at what was being asked of him, he would have been like, red alert, I see you right there. My God has already said, we are innumerable. We're in more abundance than the sand of the sea and the stars of the sky. Who can count the stars but the Most High God? Who can count the sand but King Jesus because he knows how much is there? So if he had looked at what was being asked of him or suggested to him, he would have have caught it immediately. But because he was not paying attention, right? Yes. Yes. And then even when Joab was like, huh? You know, <laughs> the Scooby-Doo voice, huh? And it sounded logical to him. But what does James tell us? Each man is tempted. When they're drawn away by their own lust. Okay. When you're a king, what's the most important thing to you? Your people. people. Your subjects, your kingdom, your wealth. Right? Yes. yes. All together, it, it does a king no good to be... King over a bunch of people, but they're poor. Exactly. And it does him no good to have all the wealth and the riches in the world, but have no people. Exactly. So he's sweeping his own floor. He's feeding himself his own (laughs) grapes. He's not getting any more money. (laughs) No one to draw taxes from. So it does one without the other is empty. It's lacking. So then um, what's the great deal? What's important to him? His lineage. Right? God has already made a... God has already made a promise to him, but that that promise has been slightened and lessened. God's promise has been constant, but his experience of it is a better way of putting that. His experience of it has been lessened. Why? Because of his actions. Which ones would that be? Uh, Bathsheba, for starters. Which did what? It opened opened the door door for a whole lot of trouble in his life. Okay, so how many children has he lost as a result of that sin? At least two. That you see. At least. That would be Amnon and Absalom. Yes. So he's probably like, ooh. You know. Three. What's the third? The first one, Bathsheba. Oh, that's right. Oh, that's right. Go ahead, Layla. Get in the details. I appreciate that. Yes, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Holy Spirit. I appreciate that. So can can you see how the enemy now has a gateway to sneak in and go, hmm. Did God really say, as soon as you eat this, mm, I don't know about that. That sure looks hard to you. God's telling you he's going to bless your business. God's telling you you're going to be an engineer. Oh, that sure did look hard. Mommy. What? I'm just saying. <laughs> but it's no different. David wasn't somehow a, a, an alien, 
right? Yes. yes. We we know that there's trouble that's common to man and that the same sufferings are being at, being experienced by our brethren the world over. We yes. know this, so why do we feel like his life should have been any different? We shouldn't. We shouldn't. It wasn't. And then since that's the case, then why would we expect something different towards us? We shouldn't. We shouldn't. We should be just as wise and equipped. And we know that this, the, the Bible is here for our education. It's here to help us so that way we don't stumble. I was like, let me, let me put it in writing for you. That way, when you read it, you can run. That way, when you go back to compare, you can see that these, these brothers and sisters in Christ had to go through the same things that you did. And you are. And I know people will go, well, the blood of Jesus hadn't been shed yet. Yes, I understand that. However, so then that means nobody before, who was it that he led captive in, in, in hell? It was everybody that died before the Lord Jesus okay, came. Okay, so his blood paid for them. If he's the lamb slain before the foundation of the world, yet he did not appear until sometime after that, did God leave those other people out? No. No. Did God say he was merciful after yes. Jesus died or before? Before. Before. When? Before. Moses. His okay. man was introduced. Oh, okay. He's always been merciful. But you hear him declare who he is when he's talking to Moses. And Moses said, Lord, if I find favor in your sight, let me see your glory. Right? Yes. And he declared that he is good. He is abounding in mercy. That was before Jesus died. And if he's good now, he was good then. And he's going to be good in the future. Correct? Because he yes. is the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. He is the one, the one who was and is and is to come. He is God Almighty. So, I know you guys are sleepy. I love you, though. Good morning. God bless you. <laughs> okay. So, um, anything else, you guys? Oh, you also see how, how afraid that David was of being in the wilderness. How tired of it. We've been talking about that. He didn't want to be out there anymore. But now you hear it articulated. You see it in writing. Yes. He was like, Lord, anything but that. You don't come to that place because it was so good for you. And you appreciated it. And it's no big deal. He'd rather... <laughs> the sword go through Israel, then him have to run again. And yes, he repented and, and he turned away from that before many more people died. But 70,000, that's a considerable number. It is. That, that's a considerable number. So David was certainly afraid of that. Well, and you know, that just verifies how we were examining the scriptures previously that that was a problem and to when God leads you and guides you right um, when he takes you down a path it's important when you look back on that time and you remember it remember the goodness of the Lord don't just see the hardship and the struggle and certainly don't despise that time because that's where your character was built and that's where you were shaped and fashioned okay yes. so when God brings you to that, and then he brings you into the land that he promised, don't look back and despise those days of small beginning. Because that leaves a, 
a foothold that leaves a, a, a little door opening for the enemy. Right? Yes. yes. With, with Bathsheba, it was because he didn't want to go out to the field anymore. The time when kings go out to war, he was on top in his palace. Mm-hmm. It's not where he should have been. But Certainly when you, not. when he looked, because he looked back on it, or when you look back on things and go, oh, Lord, I don't like it that you did that. That was hard. I served you, but it was hard, you know, and despise it and hate it. It leaves an an opportunity and an opening for the enemy. So look back on it and appreciate it. Appreciate every moment that you're studying in those books, Kyla Isla. Appreciate every time that it seems hard for you, but you know you're doing what God asked you to do. And I'm preaching to myself. Absolutely. But if I had to do all over again, I would do everything that God asked me to. Okay? Yes. As long as he gets the glory, that's what we're striving for. All right, let's go ahead and close the rest of this out. Let's read verse 18 to 24, 25. And Gad came that day to David and said to him, Go up, erect an altar to the Lord on the threshing floor of Ananiah. Ananiah. So David, according to the word of God, went up as the Lord commanded. Now Aruna Aruna looked and saw the king and his servants coming towards him. So Aruna went out and bowed before the king with his face to the ground. Then Aruna said, Why has my lord the king come to his servant? And David said, To buy the threshing floor from you to build an altar to the Lord that the plague may be withdrawn from the people. Now Aruna said to David, Let my lord the king take and offer up whatever seems good to him. Look, here oxen are burnt sacrifice for burnt sacrifice and threshing implements and yokes of oxen for wood. All these, O king, Aruna has given to the king. And Aruna said to the king, May the Lord your God accept you. Then the king said to Aruna, No, but I will surely buy it from you for a price. Nor will I burn offering to the Lord my God, that the, which will cost me nothing. So David bought the, thresh, bought the threshing floor and the oxen for fifty sh- shekels of silver and david built there an altar to the lord and offered burnt offerings and a peace offerings so the lord heeded the prayer of the land and the plague was withdrawn from the israel amen amen okay does anybody have anything that the holy spirit's ministering that they'd like to share oh my favorite part of this passage was when he refused when david refused aruna's offer and he said no i won't offer a sacrifice to my lord that has cost me nothing mm-hmm. why is that your favorite uh, just because it shows it talks about david's character and his devotion to the lord mm-hmm. that he wasn't that it was more than just a for show element he was serious about it Mm-hmm. Because if you think about it, 
even in a natural relationship, you don't, if you're a married couple, you don't go buy your, your wife jewelry, give your wife a gift of jewelry that you got from somebody else. <laughs> Not if you want that relationship to continue. Well, maybe it depends on who it came from and if you admit it that it came from someone else. But, uh, yeah, that, that's, a, that's a good point. <laughs> you go and buy it for her. Mm -hmm. And it shows his love for the Lord. And it also talks about how we should approach the Lord, not just thinking the Lord will just accept any old thing. He's worthy of the best. And if you're coming to offer it to him, it should cost you something. Okay. Kind of like your reasonable service and your thanks to the Lord for all he's done for you. Okay. And when you say cost you something, what do you mean by that? Well, I mean, it depends on what the Lord's asking you to do. If he said, go sow the seed to whoever that costs you, or if he asked you to fast for however many days and pray, that still costs you. It's not mm -hmm. always monetary. It could be your time, talents, and treasure. Mm -hmm. So it's really just based upon what the Lord is asking you and what he placed in your heart to do. Mm-hmm. So does that mean it's going to be a painful experience? No. Not always. Not necessarily, but depending on where your flesh is, it might be. It, yes. might, it might feel like it. Handing that $20 over might sting a bit. <sighs> <laughs> this, this is a, a young college student talking, so $20. Amen, <laughs> hey whatever it is. Um, but also what David is describing is he's not going to give God something that he doesn't himself value. Exactly. It's like if I gave someone a bald piece of paper and said, here you go. It's happy, a birthday present. Happy birthday. <laughs> but it's a piece of trash. I do it on the floor. Exactly. And it's not about the expense of it. It's not about pain it's, in it. It is about placing value. Yes, the thought and the motive behind it. Mm -hmm. You love God enough to do your best, to give him your best. He gave us our his best. Right? Yes. And he continues to do that. It didn't, of course, Jesus is the best of the best of the best of the best of the best. Right? He Pretty is God. He is God. Right. And every action that he takes, if we allow him, is his best. He comes with his best first. The good and acceptable, right? Yes. yes. Okay. So there is a, a perfect will of God. There is a perfect permissive will of God. Good, acceptable, and perfect. So that's a choice to us. Which one will we have? The perfect will of God should be what our eyes are set on because that means there's nothing missing, nothing broken, and there's no lack in it. However, it does require that we restrain ourselves and hold ourselves to holding the course and finishing the race and that, that um, journey or adventure or to the end of whatever it is that God is calling us to. And that we do it to the best of our ability. But if we insist on driving the bus, if you will, the proverbial bus, then we may find ourselves in the permissive will of the Lord. Like, okay, if you want to do this, that's that's fine. I mean, you're you're welcome to have trouble in your life, I guess, if that's what you want. Because he gave us a choice. Right? Yes. He's always said, choose. Choose this day. Choose what you're going to do. Here's blessing. Choose, choose life. Choose it. 
so that you and your seed may live, but you you have the right to choose outside of the Lord. So um, that's good. What about Aruna? Oh, I mean, willing he is to just give stuff over to David. Mm -hmm. I mean, if I was in his place, I'd be like, Mr. King, where's that money? Uh-huh. <laughs> but I think he also gave it over because he recognized that the Lord wanted David to have it. I think that's what more so it made Aruna get want to give it over. Mm -hmm. Because he wanted to do as the Lord had commanded. Mm -hmm. He didn't want to be a stumbling block. Absolutely. And there's no doubt that my that our Heavenly Father blessed him for that because that's just how God is. Right? Yes. What do you think and promise? Well, I was thinking about Runa. What about him? Kind of like most people would go, give me the money, but Runa was going, well, I see that God was doing this and mm -hmm. God told you to do this, so I'll give it to you. Right. And I was also thinking that it was kind of hard to miss after all the angel was by. Mm -hmm. So what about, what about this? David was the king, and he could have confiscated his land and, and been a tyrant and pushed him on the ground and said, I'm taking this, move out the way. Right? Yes. He could have done that. And Aruna didn't even know why the king was there, so I'm sure he was startled by it. Like, uh-oh, this could be good or this could be bad. You know, like, why is he here? But he took away the point of contention, the need to fight, or for himself to be offended with King David by offering him the land willingly. Instead of going, uh-uh, you better pay me what's right. And give me that money right now. Instead of him doing that, he met him with an open hand, going, here, you can just have the whole thing. He met him with grace. And so it was nice that David said, oh, no, I'm going to pay you for it. And I'm sure he was like, phew, okay. <laughs> but his heart was just to give it to David, thereby removing any point of contention, any, any way for a root of bitterness to spring up, any root of um, dissatisfaction, anger, feeling um, disrespected, wanting revenge, wrath. He took all that away by walking in love, right? If, if someone asks you for your cloak. Give them your tunic also. Aha. Uh -huh. Right? Yes. yes. He met King David with that love and that grace. God can work with that all day. So... It was excellent that the Lord was already ministering to Aruna's heart and that he was willing to listen to what the Lord was saying. And excellent that King David did what was right. Right? Yes. yes. Both towards his brother and the Lord and to God himself. Because is God satisfied if I beat up my neighbor? But I go, oh, Lord, I love you. No. no. Is he, he was satisfied? very pointed about that. Very pointed. How can you love the Lord who you do not see? Yes. And you hate it's your, your brother, brother. That whom you do see. 
And he said, called that person a liar. Mm. And the truth is not in him. <laughs> <laughs> that is true. So, you see both sides of that. Do what God asks you to do. Be willing to love. Be ready to meet that kindness and the humility. Aruna laid down his life. Right? Yes. yes. It wasn't him physically dying, but who knows? I mean, the threshing floor, that's where he was. He gave up wood for the oxen. He gave the, the yoke. That stuff is costly, and it took time. There was no, no die-cut fabricator that could just, you know, laser cut out another yoke. It's hand-carved. It was hand-carved, sanded, put together with the leather that was made from something else. It cost him something. It cost Aruna something to lay down to let David buy this. But he was willing to give it away for nothing. And what that meant to his family, the livelihood. Yeah, he got, what's it, six shekels of silver. 30. Oh, 50. Isn't I'm sorry. Amount 50. That, close to the amount that Judas got. He got 50 shekels He got 50, of he got 50 Layla. Mm. Aruna got <laughs> 50. And, but that still meant time. He left the wheat and all that stuff. I mean, like, he gave him the whole thing. That's where he prepared the food that he harvested, like prepared it to be turned into bread and, you know, milled out and all that. That that meant something to Aruna. That's significant. And, um, you know, David was quick to be obedient, which is also good. It's all right. I think there's it um one more scripture I wanted to read before we close out today. I can find it. Job forty two verse seven. And we spend a lot of time talking about um the life of believers that have walked before us and looking having the opportunity to look at their life in in light of what God is asking us to do with our own lives and um, seeing that God is the same yesterday, today, and forever, and that he loves them. He loved them with the same love that he loved us with, and he loves us with the same love that he has for Jesus Christ. That's not, not something new for God that didn't change for him. So, And it is us that needs to come into alignment with how he thinks, how he sees, and attributing to him what's right, attributing to God what's honorable, what glorifies him, not our own righteousness, but what he says, what, what is truth. Um, Job 42, verse 7. And we can read verse 8. Well, can you read that, please? Sure. And so it was after the Lord had spoken these words to Job that the Lord said to Eliphaz the Temanite, My wrath is aroused against you and your two friends, for you have not spoken of me what is right, as my servant Job has. Now therefore take for yourselves seven bulls and seven rams, go to my servant Job, and offer up for yourselves a burnt offering, and my servant Job shall pray for you, for I will not for I will accept him, lest I deal with you according to your folly, because you have not spoken of me what is right, as my servant Job has. Okay, so that's two times in two verses that God says to them, You have not spoken of me what is right, as my servant Job has. And if you look back into what they were saying, it was stuff like God's going to punish you or he's punishing you because you did something wrong. Yes. Versus the Lord is your shield and exceedingly great reward. 
How many times did Abraham give his wife away? Uh, lie about times. her. Lie about her and then give her away. Multiple times. And what did God do for him? He gave he Sarah back and and more things along with it. He said, "I am your shield and your exceedingly great reward." Not that God condoned the lie, but He protected, which is what He does for us. It is when we breach the hedge of protection that there is an issue that arises, that the enemy has a reason, a cause to gain entrance. So it's important that we keep keep the um, call that God gave to us. He said, "Tend and, when he talked to Adam, he said, tend and keep the garden. Take care of it and protect it. Enforce my word and my will and what I've already said to you to do. So in this, speak right of the Lord. God is not waiting to knock you out of the sky. You know, he's not waiting to fly down and crush you. And he's merciful to all. That's who he is. Okay? Yes. yes. Um, and even here, he tells them, hey, your words were inappropriate. That, that's a Kamisha version of that. <laughs> they were out of line and they weren't right. Get over here and repent so you can stay in the covering that I have for you. You can stay protected. Because guess what? The enemy is, he's relocated to location and space. He's not omnipresent. He's got to walk around. Right? Yes. But he's still sitting there looking at who? Eliphaz. And what's the other guy's name? The other three. Well, Eliphaz and his two friends. So there were three of them. Bildad and Zophar. So the enemy's sitting right there looking at them. God's like, hey, hurry up. Get the shield back up so you'll be all right. Okay? Yes. yes. The Lord is our God who heals us. He is the Lord who provides for us. He is the Lord that keeps us safe. He is the Lord who is our righteousness. Abraham believed God and it was accounted unto him as righteousness. That's who we serve. The Lord is our shepherd. He is our all in all. He is the I am that I am. So honor him and worship him and begin to turn your eyes to see him truly as a good God who only does good things and wants good and the best for you. Okay? Yes. Yes. All right. So I think that's a good stopping place today. Um, I've enjoyed going over these scriptures with you guys, and we'll, we're probably... Um, we're still listening to the Holy Spirit as to what chapter, what book to do next, but we will certainly be continuing, as far as we know from the Lord, we'll be continuing with our, our morning Bible study. So we look forward to joining you all again, and um, we just thank God for you. Will someone close us out in prayer? I will. All right, Leila Ann. Lord, I just thank you for today and for guiding us as we went through Second Samuel, Lord, and just teaching us your word and the things that you have for us, Lord. And I ask that you'll continue to teach them aside from this devotional, Lord, and that you'll train them up in the admonition and the fear of you, Lord, and just equip them with everything they need to complete your task and fulfill all that it is that you have destined for them, Lord, from the beginning of the world. And I just thank you for your goodness, Lord, and your mercy and your grace and your love. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, God bless you. Bye. Thank you all for joining us. God bless you. We love you. And have a great day. Bye. Bye.
Thank you for listening to A Day of Prayer. We trust the Lord that you are strengthened and encouraged in your relationship with Christ. Visit us on our website, adayofprayer.org, where you can check out our blog, find additional study resources, or shop the official A Day of Prayer store. Remember, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. So until next time, take care and God bless you.